in Jericho Road Church. Everybody doing good? All right, good. Hey, uh, today's a special Sunday. Uh, later on in the service, towards the end, at approximately 10.50, we're going to do child dedication this Sunday, so it's really exciting. Child dedication is a great time for parents to come forward and dedicate their kids to the Lord, so we're excited about that. That's why I was moving stuff back on the stage so they could just flawlessly come up here at the right time. A um, couple quick announcements. Um, number one, if you're interested in serving on the Jericho Road Project Board, go talk to Floyd right there in the back or Sharon DeBoer, wherever she is. Uh, she's somewhere. But the Jericho Road Project is our church's nonprofit housing ministry. Um, currently, we have three houses. One's a duplex. So there's a lot going on there. So if you have a passion for that ministry or you might be interested in serving or you're administratively gifted, talk to Floyd and we would love for you to be serve on that team. Sound good? Um, also, next Sunday is Memorial Day weekend and we're doing things different here at J-Road. We're just going to have a cookout outside, J-Road family cookout outside. So no 10 o'clock service. We're just going to meet here at noon, Okay. So set your calendars for noon. If you're not going to be camping and come on out, there's going to be fun stuff for the kids. There's going to be food, and it's going to be fun. Okay, sound good? Part of the reason we're doing that is we believe church should be uh, really three elements, worship, mission, and community. And this is really just a time to build community and, and get to know people. So every people that you see on Sunday and never got to know their names, this will be an opportunity to, like, meet people here as well. So bring your family out if you're not going to be in a camper somewhere in Michigan next weekend. Sound good? All right. Last but not least, if you'd like to give to J-Road, there's two ways. You can drop your gift in the box in the back on your way out, or you can give online at jroadchurch.org. That's it. Um, hey, real quick, I'm actually going to sit down today, okay? Can I do that? Can I sit down a little bit? Maybe people in the back can't see my head, but that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll stand up maybe sometimes. This, this feels a little low, but oh well. Um, so I'm going to take a slight detour from our series on Colossians, okay? We have a couple more weeks of that, but I want to take a slight detour. Um, as you guys know who gets our, if you get our J-Road weekly updates, raise your hand. If you get my emails throughout the week, okay, many of you do. If you want those, let me know if you don't get those. Um, I use them to communicate just what's coming up at J-Road, what's happening at J-Road. But I also use them as an opportunity to, like, share what's going on, what I feel like the Lord's doing at J-Road. It's almost like a time that we could talk about what I'm seeing and, like, a, a chance to lead J-Road um, in that way. And so I, that's what I did basically a lot this week is, if you got it, I wrote three letters this week um, addressing three things that I keep seeing at J-Road and I wanted to address, especially coming out of 2020 and coming out of COVID and everything kind of starting to get back to normal a little bit, I felt like it was good as a church that we have like a mini heart check for all of our hearts. And I thought it was good. And I worked on it most of the week, even to the point where it was like Thursday night when I'm usually like finalizing my sermon and on Colossians and I didn't even work on that. <laughs> I worked on this and I spent a lot of the week meeting with folks that I don't normally get to meet with and talking with folks I don't normally talk to. Not, not no, don't normally, but not on a weekly basis. And so we had a lot of great conversations, and it was good. Um, 
But really, all of that came from a nudge from the Holy Spirit, okay? Anybody ever feel like a nudge from the Holy Spirit? Okay, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and the Holy Spirit is God living inside of you. And oftentimes, when you feel like a push, or you feel something in your heart to do something good, that's usually a nudge from the Holy Spirit. And we as Christians should be sensitive to that, right? We should be open to that. We should be sensitive to that. And we should be obedient to that as well. Um, so I just want to put a plug in there. But really, from the three things we talked this week was unity as a church, forgiveness, like individually, and um, how to handle conflict, all right? Like, because sometimes we don't handle conflict well. And so I, we talked about these three things. So I'm going to sum these, these three things up for you real quick. Um, but as I said, through the Holy Spirit pushing me through an, um, coming out of 2020, I don't know if you guys realize this, but this past year was crazy for everybody, right? Could you guys just admit that? Like, this year was hard on everybody. I don't think, I mean, for some of us, you got to be home, like, extra because you work from home and it was good, but even with that, with everything going on in the election and COVID, all of us came out or at some point in 2020 felt some type of way, right? And everything seems to be a result of 2020, right? It's like, hey, um, you know, why isn't there any bananas at the grocery store? Oh, COVID. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> everything's just blamed on, why are lumber prices so high? COVID. Okay. You know, like, uh, why is ice cream at Norm's like double the price? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> why is gas expensive? Okay, somebody just said Jesus. All right, you don't have to say Jesus. All right. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about real quick, and today might look different than a traditional sermon, but I think it's good. Um, but I want to talk about this as a church and for our body. It's good, it's good lessons for all of us. Um, the first is this. Um, either I said disunity in the body or division in the body, but I want to talk about unity in the church. Okay, like when I talk about the church— I want us to think through, I'm not talking just about Jericho Road Church, but every person who calls himself a Christian is part of the larger church, right? Like if you are a Christian and you believe Jesus is Lord, then that means that you are part of the church here, you are a part of the church in India, you're part of the church in Africa and China and all over the world and also across the street, at, you know, and down the road at Kingdom Life and up in Christ Church in North Muskegon and Poor City, like wherever, like we're all part of the church, right? Like here's the one thing. In heaven, there's not going to be denominations, right? Like we made denominations out of division. And like denominations kind of sprung up out of like division. Like, hey, we think this little piece of theology and you think that, so we're going to go start a new denomination. We're going to split off. And so unity is is good. It should be sought after, and it should be something we should be chasing 24-7 with our brothers and sisters, right? You may be like, well, I go to first service, if we had two services. I go to first service, and I don't go to second service because I don't want nothing to do with that person who goes to second service. It's like, that shouldn't be so, right? <laughs> it's like, that shouldn't be how it is. Like, we should seek to resolve that division and that conflict. And it's the same way with churches in America— like, a lot of times, if a church grows on Sunday morning, it's not really growing from, like, 
people getting saved, it's growing just from like people at other churches just swapping churches, right? Have you guys ever heard of the term church hopping or church shopping? <laughs> I'm going to go there, see what their worship's like. I'm going to go here, figure out what their coffee's like. I'm going to hear if their pastor's boring or not. And we're just like shuffling sheep, right? And people sometimes, they get in a conflict at their church, and instead of dealing with it in a healthy way, they go to another church. And Jesus is like, you should probably deal with your conflict at the church you're at before you go to another church. I'm not saying it's never bad to go to another church, but if you're running from conflict, you're still a part of the church, right? You're just going to a different area and avoiding dealing with the conflict. And so they're saying, like, like deal with this and, and, and handle this. And so I'm going to read a couple verses for you. The first is in John 17. This is Jesus' last prayer before he went to the cross. So Jesus' last prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying, and he's praying for us. And he said this in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be what? So when Jesus had like this final prayer, he said, I want to pray for people that get saved in the year, you know, 1301, the year 1901, and the year 2020. Like all the people that believe in me through these disciples' message, I want to pray for them. And I don't want to pray that they are, have a lot of money or they have nice buildings or that, uh, you know, whatever. You know, I don't know what he prayed for us. Is that we would be one. That we would be united. That there wouldn't be division. There wouldn't be division in the church. And that was one of Jesus' most passionate pleas is that we could just be one. And so it says as we as a church, we need to passionately chase after unity any way possible, Right? We, this is something we need to chase after. Like if you feel like somebody feels some type of way about you in the church, run after that and ask, is everything okay? If you're feeling some type of way about somebody, talk to them, invite them out to coffee. And it's like resolving the divisional cracks. And Paul says it in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, it says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to work, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all unity and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the what? Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, and just as you were called to that one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let me stop right there and pray real quick. Lord, we just thank you for this time, and God, we as followers of your son Jesus, um, God, we commit to walking in unity. We commit to doing the hard work of unity, and God, um, we pray that we as a church handle conflict really well, but most of all, Lord, we handle the conflict that's going on in our, in, in our heart and minds very well. God, we pray that we don't give the enemy a foothold in any area of our lives, but we passionately pursue unity. And so, God, we dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said? A really uh, good book I'm reading right now is called In the Way by Damian Gerke. Most of you haven't heard of him or heard of that book, but it's a really good book. I told a few of you to get, check it out. It's called In the Way. But in this book, he says this quote, and he says this, division, he's talking about the church, division, while painful 
and unpleasant is simply more convenient than unity. Division is oftentimes more convenient than unity. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Like how many times out of convenience do we avoid a conflict because we're not, we're not w willing to deal with it? Maybe we don't, we don't want to deal with it, and it's just easier to walk away. And even though division is painful and unpleasant, it's oftentimes more convenient, and that's what the church does. It's like, Psh, I'm out of here. I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, so if we call ourselves believers, we should strive for unity. And so everybody that is a Christian is united in that. Unity, I want to say this point too, is unity doesn't mean uniformity. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. Meaning that we, when we strive for unity, everybody thinks that we have to agree on every little thing in, in the church, right? We have to agree on every little thing in order for us to get along. And that is simply not true. Um, I think somebody here said this this week, and I heard it, or they said it to me, maybe through social media. But oftentimes, we've structured our social media that we happen to be a part of into an echo chamber of our own beliefs. And anybody who has a dissenting belief, you know what we do? We hit the unfollow button because we don't want to see what they have to say. And I don't blame y'all. I love the unfollow button. And I mute and unfollow folks left and right. I'm just unfollowing folks. Like my friend in high school, you know, bragging about his vacation, boom, unfollowed. I don't want to see it. I don't know you anymore. And I don't, I don't see you anymore. Only J-Road folks. But if a J-Road folk has a viewpoint totally different than mine, I'm usually not going to unfollow them because of that. And I don't want to build this like echo chamber where I just say things and everybody's like, oh yes, I agree. So we can disagree, amen? And we could totally disagree with somebody and be in a missional community with them even if we don't agree with everything they say. Even if we don't agree with everything they say. And I mean that because we are at a time in American history where I personally believe our country is the most divided it's ever been. Like literally the most divided I think it's ever been in this past election. And I don't know if it's going to get better or worse. And to be quite honest, out there, I don't really care if like it gets divided better or more or worse. But in here as a church, it shouldn't be so, right? Like everybody, like again, this was one of the most divisive election years that we have ever been through, right? And if you're older than me, you've been through a, a good handful of elections. This was probably the most divisive. Where it's like, I don't care to know who you voted for because if you voted for the other side, I hate you. <laughs> right? If you voted for the other side, I hate you. And you know what I keep hearing? I can't believe Christians would da-da-da-da-da. And that's what I'm hearing from Christians on both sides of the aisle here at J-Road. I can't believe a Christian would da-da-da-da-da. And it's usually revolving around, I can't believe a Christian would vote that way. I saw on Facebook they were at this. Or I saw on this they were at this. I can't believe it. And it's like, you are saying that assumption, but have you sat across from them at Mr. B's and ate eggs and talked about it? No. You've just seen what they did, and you've wrote them off or whatever. And so um, it's saying that we are going to disagree on things. I'm saying that. We're going to disagree on things, and it's okay. There's going to be little things we disagree with. It's okay. There's going to be big things we disagree with. It's okay. 
And we could be brothers and sisters with each other who have wildly different views. And to be quite honest, somebody has asked me, should we as a church be unified politically? And my answer to that is absolutely not. I don't want us to be unified politically and say, hey, as J-Road, this is who we endorse. Because what we're saying is we're coming, to, we're coming around an earthly system and an earthly person that's not of Christ, and we are huddling around that, and that is a problem. Right? Like, I've said this all along when we talked about, like, voting. It's like, pray about it. It's good. Pray about it. You know, think about it. Like, search the Bible about it and vote. But we all land at different places. And I talk to people who are at far different parts of the aisle. And I, when you see it working out beautifully, when you see two people who disagree and they say, man, I'm going to defend my position with the Word of God, and they say, I'm going to defend my position with the Word of God, and we're going to battle each other a little bit, but at the end of the day, we could, uh, you know, have a cookout here and, and have a good time. <laughs> right? It's okay. It's really okay. And so my encouragement to you on all those topics are, is, um, is it's okay. Whatever you believe, whether we're talking about little nuances of theology, because in theology there is a lot of nuances. You know, the core is Jesus died and rose again for our sins, and he rose on the third day, and he's coming back. Amen? That's like the core of our faith, and we are saved by grace through faith alone. And in that, there are so many webs of theology out there. Like, there's so many spider webs, and that's where we get all these, um, what's, what are they going to say? Denominations. In, you know, in heaven, there's not going to be like a Lutheran section and a Christian and Missionary Alliance section and a Baptist section. Jesus is going to be like, hey, all that's done. Here is perfect theology. You were a little wrong. You were a tad off. But you guys aligned on the same thing, and I'm happy with that. Some of you, you know, you fought a hard battle that King James was the only way. The King James Bible is the only way. You died on that hill one too many times. That was kind of dumb, but you're still my son and daughter. <laughs> you fought about this way too much. Y'all fought about this way too much. And I wish you would have focused more on the lost, hurting, and broken who don't give a rip about any of that stuff. Right? And so it's like, you know, think about that. But Whatever you believe, whether it's politics, whether it's COVID, whether it's what version of the Bible is best, pray about it. Have scripture to back it up. Believe in it. Challenge each other. It's good. That's healthy. That's good. But don't die on these hills and don't cast people off who have different views than you. Don't, I mean, be okay with somebody having a wildly different view than you. And that's okay. And we as a church need to get past that. How could, how, um, I'm so, like, this is the phrase. This is the phrase I've heard a lot. It's, it's this. I am so disappointed how Christians acted this past year. I'm so disappointed how Christians acted this past year. And I'm hearing that from everybody. And the people who feel disappointed at them, that those people are feeling the same way about them, and they're feeling the same way about them, Right? I'm just so disappointed how Christians are active this year. And to be honest, I'm disappointed too. And we're all disappointed about how Christians acted. Some this way, some this way, some this way. And that's okay. We could forgive each other. We could move on. And if you know somebody specifically that you're disappointed in and that, that requires a conversation, have a conversation. 
But if you're making that assumption based on a Facebook post they posted in March of 2020, that's kind of a dumb reason to cast somebody off. That's kind of a dumb reason, okay? Um, so the first is unity um, in the church. The second is dealing with forgiveness, okay? So dealing with forgiveness. Forgiveness is something incredibly, incredibly important, especially for Christians. It's really one of the most important things that you could aspire to do is forgive, and I'll explain that. Um, but again, residue in our church family, there's residue in some of your families left over from 2020, and there's residue in the church family, there's residue in our communities, and it all goes back to, like, forgiveness. And really, the, the, the word I used is bitterness, like a root of bitterness, a root of bitterness. And bitterness, at its core, is really, and I, I put it this way, is a tiny seed of unforgiveness, Okay? So if you have so much as a tiny seed of unforgiveness towards anybody and you don't forgive them and you put that seed in your heart, it's what the Bible calls that seed is going to sprout little sproutlings and become a root of bitterness in your heart. Okay? And so we as Christians need to realize when we are having a root of bitterness— and also the people we're discipling or the people we're leading, the people we're teaching, recognizing if they have a root of bitterness and call that out like, hey, I, I feel like there might be a root of bitterness there that maybe we could talk about or maybe you need to deal with. Um, but we also need to recognize it in ourselves. And most of us, if we have a root of bitterness, if we poke on that, we'll know and we'll see it, okay? So I just didn't pull this out um, of anywhere. It comes from Hebrews 12, verse 14 through 15. It says this, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Strive for peace with who? We as Christians, thanks, Mike. That was a really good, long, drawn out, everyone. We as Christians, uh, oh, geez. And <laughs> cut that out of the live stream. I promise you, I'm not hitting puberty at 37 years old. Um, we as Christians need to seek peace with who? Like your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, your friends. If people see you at work and they're like, hey, that chick doesn't get along with anybody. That's a problem for Christians. That dude doesn't get along with anybody. That's a huge problem for Christians because as Christians, we're called to strive for peace with everybody. We're called to strive for peace. Okay, let me go on. Um, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And in verse 15, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, meaning that you as Christians, you have the grace of God that you can give others that offended you. See to it that nobody fails to obtain that, meaning that you're not holding back this grace of God from other people, meaning that there's people in your life that you need to extend the grace of God to, okay? So it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many will become defiled. So he's saying this root of bitterness that I put in my breast pocket here is like very important not to let in, in your life, okay? Because a root of bitterness starts out like this in your heart, and eventually it grows into this, right? God wouldn't say something is a root if it didn't grow into a plant, right? And so you see folks that have unforgiveness in their heart towards a loved one, a family member, somebody at J-Road, somebody in the community, a next-door neighbor, 
and their root of bitterness, the root of unforgiveness grew from a seed into this, and you're like, whoa. Whoa, something's, something's off in their heart, and I see it spilling over. And next thing you know, the root of bitterness grew from that, and it grew into this, right? And then, I wish I had a bigger plan. I really don't. I had to steal this from Michael Burroughs' office, by the way. But we have this root of bitterness that went from a tiny seed into this, and it's eventually growing fruit, right? The plant grows fruit. And just like the Bible says that we should be displaying the fruits of the Spirit, which if you're new to the fruits of the Spirit, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Instead of displaying the fruits of the Spirit, we're displaying fruits of bitterness. You guys know what the fruits of bitterness are when they show up in your life? What are some of the fruits of bitterness? Shout them out. Anger. What else? Resentment. What else? Somebody's an expert back there right now. Anger. Resentment. Hatred. Rage. Sickness. I've been sick because I've been so angry at somebody. And he's saying we need to forgive. We need to forgive. We need to forgive. Or else, the root of bitterness is going to sprout branches, and it's going to get huge, and it's going to sprout bitter fruit in your life if you don't deal with this in your heart. And they said, what happens with the root of bitterness? What does it say in Hebrews? It springs up and causes what? Trouble. The Bible says it's going to cause trouble in your life. If you fail to give the grace of God to somebody. Now, I know some of you, and I put this caveat in my letter. Some of you have really deep hurt that stems from maybe a childhood trauma. And I, I am not saying this is easy to do. I'm not saying that this is easy to do. Some of you were abused by a family member. Some of you were abused by somebody at some point in your life. I get that. And that is like, I can't extend the grace of God to that person and Jesus is like, that's who you have to extend the grace of God to. That's literally who you have to. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's a daily, it's a daily struggle. Some of you went through horrendous divorces, and I understand that. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people who've went through a horrendous divorce, and 20, 30, 40 years later, still bitter about it. Meaning that they've hadn't come to the point of forgiving that person who really never even asked for your forgiveness. But Jesus says we're called to extend forgiveness and grace of God to them, whether they ask for it or not. Do you understand? So that's what's messed up. That's what's kind of jacked up, is somebody hurt you, somebody abused you, somebody hurt you, and you failed to forgive them. Now you're walking around with a bitter fruit, and there's trouble springing up in your life now. It's like, great. It's like, they did this to you. You harbored unforgiveness. Now you're suffering, and there's trouble in your life, and people are becoming defiled in your life because you're not extending the grace of God. So we must take these things to the cross. We must take these things to the cross. And we must go back to the point of this. If anybody here is struggling with unforgiveness, like, I can't forgive what that person did. I can't forgive what that person said. I can't forgive how that person treated me, then that means that we 
are missing something in understanding what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. Does that make sense? Every time we sin, we slap Christ across the face. Every time we sin, every time you look at pornography, every time you look at another woman with lust, every time you cheat on your taxes, every time you steal something small, every time you do something, you spit in the face of Jesus. And he wipes it off and says, I love you and I forgive you. And you're welcome to be with me in eternity forever because you're my son and you're my daughter and I'll forgive you for anything you do on this earth. And if you don't understand that, it's going to be hard to give that to somebody else. And we must first go back to what Christ did for us and what Jesus did for us. And maybe you're sitting there like, I ain't never done anything that bad. I actually think, you know, I'm 30 years old and I've done a couple bad things. But I've been a pretty good person. That is a lie from the mouth of Satan. If you, like, did the smallest white lie, like, tiniest white lie on your taxes, like, five years ago, and that was the only sin you've ever committed, if you don't go to Christ for forgiveness, you're going to spend eternity in the place the Bible calls hell. If we've, like, not returned a book on time and kept it back from the library and just put it in our own book collection, and we don't ask forgiveness for that, the Bible says we're going to hell. Every single one of us is damned sinners going to hell. And the only thing that rescues this is Jesus forgiving us. And we're escaping. And we get to see what we were destined for. And we get to see what Jesus planned for us. I mean, read the prodigal son. Read these stories of what Jesus did for us and how much he loves us and how much he extended his forgiveness to us. And if you're saying, I can never forgive somebody God said, if you fail to forgive others, I'm not going to forgive you. It's like, whoa. Like, I'm not mincing words. Um, it says this in Matthew 6, 15. It says this. These are the words of Jesus. He said, it, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And that's saying to the degree of how important it is that we need to chase forgiveness and forgive other people, and be grace-filled, and extend the grace of God. Because if you can't forgive others, the Father said he won't forgive you. That should sit with us. That should sit with us of how important forgiveness is. So we have this bitterness in our souls starting to bear bitter fruit. And it, those look like all these things that you guys named. And we start to see this fruit around here and it's time that we deal with it. Um, and so how do we deal with it? Number one, you give it to Jesus, nail it to the cross. Whatever you're struggling with that's preventing you from offering forgiveness, you have to do the hard work of taking that to Jesus and saying, Jesus, this offense that is against me, I'm going to give to you. I pray that you forgive that person who wronged me, and I pray that you help me forgive them too. And before you got I forgive them. So you forgive them, like between you and Jesus. Like, I truly forgive them. I'm going to pray for that person who wronged me, and I'm going to move on. And you give it to Jesus. So you yourself are forgiving them. You're asking Jesus to forgive them, and you're actually praying for them that God gets a hold of their life. If you can pray for somebody that right now is your enemy, like, that makes the Father so happy. And so we got to get to the place where we can pray for those people who screwed us over. 
We got to pray for those people who abused us. We have to pray for those people who stole from us. We have to pray for those people who robbed us. Those pray for the people who insulted us, bullied us. Pray for those people and say, I forgive them. And you do that before Jesus. And maybe you can let that go from there, or maybe you need to have a conversation. And I really want to let you talk to Jesus about that. Because if it's somebody that's sitting in front of you right now in the pews, like you might have to have a conversation. If you can let it go and they're, and they're fine with you, then let it go and move on. If you can't let it go and they can't let it go, it's time to have a conversation and say, let's work this out. Let's talk about this. Say, I'm going to go to a different church. doesn't matter. The disunity is still there because you're still part of the big C church, right? So you going to Port City isn't going to solve your problems. And that bitterness is still going to follow you around if you don't deal with it here. So take it to the cross, give it to Jesus, and meet with those people here and talk to them. Because the Bible says, even if you don't like them that much, if somebody's here and they consider themselves a believer in Jesus Christ, they are actually your brother and sister in Christ. Right? They're your brother and sister in Christ. So we're supposed to love, forgive, and make sure that we're dealing with his root of bitterness when it's tiny. Because when the root of bitterness gets like this, it's a daily grind to bring it before Jesus. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's like daily. Like, hey, I'm still, this still comes up, and we're bringing it before the cross daily, um, and it's possible. And so the last thing, because these kids are going to be coming up to be dedicated, is this, um, dealing with conflict in the church. I want to read this verse. If you guys are taking notes, write this verse down if you've never heard of it. It's Matthew 18. I refer to Matthew 18 a lot. And this should give us framework in everything we do as far as conflict in the church. But Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17 says this. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Or another translation, you have won a brother or a sister. But if they do not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of one or two witnesses. So if I'm ticked off at Rich right there who played the electric guitar, and I'm just so ticked off at Rich, what am I supposed to do? But what if I go to Mariah first and say, you know, Rich is a total blank and he really ticked me off? That's gossip, okay? We, uh, that's gossip. So I go to Rich and say, I'm ticked at you. And you know what? I think in Rich's and I relationship in the past, he said, hey, I'm mad at you right now. And he said it to my face and we talked about it and we left stronger because of it, Right? And, and if, okay, so we work it out, and we're now we're brothers. Now we hug it out every Sunday. Let's say Rich is like, screw you. I don't want to deal with this. I'm like, well, I want to meet you again, and I'm going to bring, you know, Joe with me. And Joe and I are going to talk to you. And, you know, and it takes you through this progression. Just do it one-on-one. 99% of the time, it's dealt with there. If it doesn't, bring a friend along with you that both of you know to help mediate or to talk. And it says in verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And a lot of times what this looks like is like, hey, there's this conflict that's so big, we've tried to deal with it, it can't be dealt with, so I want to talk to the elders about it, so you can come and talk to the elders at J-Road. We will help you through it. That's what I think it means by, that's how I interpret it, taking it before the church. You can talk to the elders about it. That has happened. We have mediated, and that's good. And it says if they still refuse to listen, treat them the same as you would a pagan or tax collector. And so, what does that mean? 
I don't know about you, but I love pagans and tax collectors. <laughs> I'm just going to love you. I'm going to love you. And, and I'm going to welcome you. I mean, pagans and tax collectors are welcomed here. They're, they're welcomed. They're, I mean, we love sinners. We love them. But it's like we went through this. And 99% and of the time, it's not even going to get to that. But it's saying, you know, this is the progress. So go to them one-on-one -on -one and point out their fault. It usually stops there. Um, many times we have a really big problem with conflict in the church. And I really think that's a lot of problem is many of us didn't grow up with good role models of healthy conflict. I don't know about you, but um, like my wife, Nicole, her, she grew up in a, a Christian household that they love Jesus, and they, they, I think they handled conflict really well. And when I started dating Nicole, I got pulled into some family meetings, <laughs> like on the porch. And Mr. Howe, Nicole's dad, was like, hey, we're going to have a meeting Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Be there. And I'm like, oh, crap, what's going down at the Howe house? I don't like the way you and Nicole have been out so late. You know, whatever. I'm, I made that up. I had her home at time, all the time, all the time. Janine's back there like, I want some juice. What, what are you talking about? Um, but whatever. We talked about it as a family, and we rubbed it out. We got it out. We iron versus sharpening iron stuff, and it happened. We didn't, like, rub each other's shoulders or anything like that. Rubbed it out is kind of a weird word to use in that context. But we had a healthy conflict. And you know what? It made us all stronger. And many times with you guys, if you call each other out, that's not conflict. That's brotherly love. If I, if the Bible says, if you fail to discipline your children, if you don't discipline your children, he who doesn't discipline your children hates your children. It's saying if you withhold discipline, you hate your children. And so we discipline those that we love, right? We talk to those we love. We have the healthy conflict with those we love. And it's good. And it's great. And if somebody comes to you because you've offended them in some way, that is okay. Be open to receiving that, listening to that, and taking it before the Jesus. It's a two-way street. And so I'm just going to end by this. Um, it is Child Dedication Sunday. Super awesome Sunday where parents get to remember forever and dedicate their kids to Jesus. Um, it's awesome. Dedicate their kids to the Lord. In my charge to us, everybody here, everybody watching online, is that we are a church family that chases after unity unlike any other organization on earth. Amen? Like we chase after unity. We chase after forgiveness. We chase after conflict. We, we, we do not be found as a church that gossips and talks behind people's back. That can happen where you work, and that's the world, but it doesn't happen in the church, and it doesn't happen by Christians. And when people come here, they should see a unique environment where they love each other. Is there going to be arguments? Yes. Is there going to be conflict? Yes. Are we going to sweep it under the rug? No. Are we going to gossip behind each other's back? No. Are we going to handle it? Yes. Amen? And let's be a better example for our children than we had for us. Let's pray. God, we love you and we worship you, and I just thank you for this time that we could have this house cleaning moment before you. And I just uh, lift this to you, God. God, you're doing hard work on all of us. Help us deal with our root of bitterness in our lives. 
and help us just seek unity at all cost as a church. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? All right. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we have some child dedications that I really want to, I'm excited to get to.